you know, folks that live in those communities that I've worked with will tell you, you know, um, we don't ever hear from reporters unless, you know, there's either a sports victory or, or some tragedy. Most of the places that cover these rural communities, uh, whether it's a contemporary daily newspaper or a um, local county weekly newspaper, nine times out of 10, um, the staff that works at these different publications um, generally don't have a person that's actually from these rural areas. I'm Byron Williams, and those are the voices of Fred Fuker and Garrett Lane, career journalists with rural Alabama roots, who spoke with me about why citizens might take matters into their own hands when it comes to sharing stories about themselves, their neighbors in rural Alabama places. And I'm Laura Anderson. Welcome to the Democracy and the Informed Citizen podcast. Through participation in a national initiative, Alabama Humanities Alliance has considered the future of journalism in rural Alabama. We've held town hall discussions in small towns and cities and offered training to people doing or imagining doing citizen journalism. Laura, during this series, I spoke with people who courageously accepted the challenge of citizen journalism. For without their efforts, none of this would be possible. I have spoken with university professors, and today we conclude our series by featuring my interviews with two journalists, Garrett Lane and Fred Fluker. Both have roots that span several decades in Alabama. (laughs) They do. Garrett grew up in Coffee County, which is in East Alabama, and Fred grew up in Coffeeville, which is in West Alabama, Clark County, near the Mississippi line. Garrett and Fred were both involved as students in the Pacers newspaper project, and it was school-based community work. Garrett was involved as a graduate student, teaching, and as he would point out, learning from youth and elders in rural Alabama as they produced newspapers. A little bit younger, Fred was involved as a high school student editor of one of those papers, and then later as a mentor to other students when he went through journalism school and college. Each of them left Alabama for a time to work in journalism at major national organizations, but neither of them lost their deep connections and both now devote time and expertise together to the rural community news network that we've been hearing about throughout the series. Yes, I spoke first with Garrett Lane and our conversation captured his belief in the efficacy and potential for growth of the citizen-led papers we've talked about in this podcast series. So let's listen. You know, this idea of citizens themselves deciding of their own volition to start newspapers to begin that process. I I don't know, for me, it it sort of takes me back to the very roots of why I got into uh, journalism to start with, just that that love of of the interaction and and creating a space where community uh, members, whatever, however community may, may be defined, where community members can have interactions with each other and then by extension, communities, plural, uh, can interact with one another and, and, and share ideas. And, and in many ways, right, the, the, the question, the democratic, democratic element of that is, you know, you surface ideas, you surface uh, issues. Inevitably, there comes a point where, well, you know, what should be done about it or what are people going to do about it? Um, 
you know, talking about my time with the EW Scripps company, I, I always loved the, the, the way the, the, the company approached that, which was, you know, shed light and people will find their way. And as you said, you know, at, at the top of the question there, um, you know, we've reached a, an interesting stage uh, with where we are as a society where we, we can't agree on, on truth. We can't agree on, uh, on, on the quality of information. And so for that to happen in a grassroots way, uh, from within a community and in the format of a newspaper, I don't know, it's a very interesting development, I, I think, and, and something that may point the way to how do you establish trust or reestablish trust uh, in, in, in the sources of information that you digest on a day-to-day basis. I've interviewed uh, a number of um, these citizen journalists that, that you referred to mm-hmm. um, from the Pacer Initiative, Mm-hmm. as well as several university professors. Mm-hmm. Everyone acknowledges capacity is a problem. Mm-hmm. Yet no one has figured out a way to provide these rural publications with a model of sustainability. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm wondering, is this really a race to see you know, what will reach the finish line? A capacity or a lack of capacity? And obviously the lack of capacity means the eventual demise of these rural publications. Your thoughts? Well, um, yeah, this is actually the sustainability question is is the persistent one. And, uh, you know, looking at the whole timeline of things, this initiative is a, is a couple of years old. That's still very young. And, and there's active uh, participation in, in trying to solve the sustainability problem. I, I firmly believe that the sustainability solution will come from within the communities themselves. How does a community, again, however that may be defined, uh, in this case as rural communities, how, how, do, how does a community decide what is valuable and what is worth supporting? In other words, does the publication become part of the experience of being a citizen or being a member of a particular community? And if so, what value does that bring? Do, do, is this something that people are willing to pay for? And in the Pacers context and uh, with these publications, the communities, I think, have been surprised at the level of interest, sometimes not just a, hey, great job, but actually, hey, great job, and here's a check, keep it going, um, that they've received from, from community members who no longer may live in, in that place, but who are looking for a way to stay in touch with the news back home, uh, as you would say, uh, you know, the sort of uh, keeping keeping tabs on on the place where your your heart may live. That that's one definition that we that we frequently see used is, you know, residents and communities of the heart. Right, remember residents of of, of the community of the heart who who may have come from from a place like Beatrice, uh, but may live elsewhere now. And uh, so it's fascinating to see. I, I would by no means call the the question settled. It's it's very much one in progress, and and the, the peril that you pointed out is well known uh, here, and and part of the urgency in trying to figure this out. But it's interesting to to bring it all back around to: is this something? Is this community based information written for and written by members of a community? Is that something that that is also going to draw in mutual support? this idea, this concept that's emerging with the Pacers publications of, of people taking responsibility and accountability in a very democratic sense for knowing and sharing information with their neighbors. I, I think there's something fundamentally right about that. Although again, still very much a work in progress, but there's something there that really has gravity, I think. But if you look, if you took away the newspaper publication, mm-hmm. all these people would still be very busy. 
That's right. That's and right. So I just want to marvel at their commitment to do this. I, I, I share that fascination. And especially when, as you say, it's not like these are, are people who don't already have busy lives. And so there's, there's something fundamental here that we've just scratched the surface of. I mean, you know, it, it's fascinating to me if you do look at people's professions and, 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 and you can't find any common thread. I mean, you have right. teachers and ministers and, and former um, um, railroad uh, uh, employees and just all over the map. Yeah, these are, these are just, you know, in, in a very general sense, these are citizens who care about their places. And, um, you know, particularly if you look at, at sort of the public statements they've made, you know, and, and in almost every case, they publish these as kind of part of, you know, part of the process of establishing these papers. Um, you know, that you see phrases like, like, how do we get to know each other? And, and we're opening the community up to itself. And just these very sort of uh, uh, grassroots and, and I don't mean to use that word loosely, but, you know, these very sort of grassroots initiatives on, look, it makes sense for us all to know something about each other so that we can go about our daily lives. Laura, when I sat down with Garrett's colleague, Fred Fluker, he told me about growing up in Coffeeville and producing a newspaper as part of a high school student staff for the two or 300 residents of a rural place. He relished the opportunity as a really young person and seems to have understood from a very early age the importance of both the newspaper and a sense of community and to the well-being of the citizens of rural places and their communities as a whole. Let's listen to his thoughts about the future. When you look at... The, the current situation, and there's sort of a divide, I would say, uh, between air, urban areas and, and rural areas to some degree. It seems that the rural areas, like 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 when you say when you first started your uh, journalism interests, is increasingly isolated. Um, how do you account for that? Do you have any thoughts uh, about that in, in general, sir? It's more so just the, and I use this term loosely uh, it's ignorance mainly because most of the places that cover these rural communities uh, whether it's a contemporary daily newspaper or a uh, local county weekly newspaper nine times out of ten um, the staff that works at these different publications um, generally don't have a person that's actually from these rural areas or have an invested stake in these rural areas. Um, and therein lies the ignorance because they don't understand the different things that are going on in these communities, uh, the needs of these communities, and why the voice of these communities is so important. Um, oftentimes, with any uh, community, whether it's a smallest rural city or a big metropolitan area, there is some type of nucleus there uh, that feeds that city. We've seen over the, the past couple of years, great um, investigative pieces um, that's popped up all over the nation um, simply because uh, different staffs decided to say, hey, 
this specific topic is important. We need to investigate this. We need to put the time and the research and the resources to this to make this work and not just consistently focus on the narrative. And when they do that, those things tend to pay off. Um, I understand the process. Of course, I'm, I'm on the advertising side of things now, so I understand how the business model works. But the thing that is lagging, like you said, is the whole aspect of the, the narrative from the corporate side of things. We really do need to do, have a concerted effort to make a greater push toward getting back to the core principles of what journalism is all about. And that's where that would help um, a lot of these issues where um, we're seeing rural communities are not being effectively covered. A viable press is at, at, at its core when, when it's truly developed is one that is a public servanthood. The more we get back to the root of those things, we can still we can still meet the the uh, end result. Uh, the bottom line results of what we need to for the business model uh, with the same pretense. But the more we get back to the actual process of serving the people, I think we will uh, kind of align more so with the aspect of actually serving democracy than we're not doing right now. There, there has to be a nucleus. There has to be a voice. If there is not a viable uh, and objective source that helps lend to this voice, then what is it being replaced by? Because there's a voice there. What is it being replaced by? If it's not replaced by objectivity, if it's not replaced by a uh, conceded effort to find the truth and share the truth, then what is the result? Oftentimes, it's the result of just the opposite. It's the result of uh, falsehoods being um, shared. It's the result of uh, whatever says goes being shared. It's again, we have to get back to when I say we, uh, journalists have to get back to that, that, that core principle. And we also have to have some type of movement as a people, as a nation to say, hey, look, we know this is something that's happened. Uh, but we have to, for the sake of democracy, we have to get back to the core values of how this works in order to have, and, and I hate to go, go to this far to say that it's a more perfect union in the strides for a mm-hmm. more perfect union. We have to go back to the core values of understanding why uh, professional journalism is so important uh, to our uh, continued growth and survival. It's not enough if we have, say, the New York Times and the Washington Post solely acting as papers of record. Right. I mean, you, you know, the, the paper in Coffeeville is the paper of record for Coffeeville. <laughs> right. Right. 100%. That's, that's our archiving system. <laughs> um, again, that's our way to record our voice. Um, 
I love the New York Times. I love the Washington Post. I love the work that they do. But again, there is no hub of the New York Times in Coffeyville, Alabama. There never has been, and I'm very well sure there never will be. And that's mm-hmm. understandable. So there's no way that they can accurately record or portray the voice that uh, resides in Coffeyville without having some type of residency there, some type of uh, recording mechanism there. They can, however, share the voice that comes from Coffeyville when there's a Coffeyville press there. And that voice is being recorded. And now that voice is being transmitted not only in Coffeyville, but in Clark County, throughout Alabama, and so on and so forth. I'm a person at heart. I still believe um, in the underlining effect of why we do the work and why that work is important and why that work is still needed. We're seeing that even more so now with what we're doing with um, the Pacers um, network, our newspaper network, Um, seeing the core values of these things uh, coming to life in these communities because they're missing this element of having a voice uh, in areas that are needed the most. And without going to J school or without having this professional training, is taking on this organic role to where they're able to just organically share their voice. And they understand the core principles of being able to share this voice in a a factual and objective manner for their specific community. Laura, I was struck by Fred Fluker's comments about democracy being only as strong as we want it to be. Though our focus has been on rural Alabama, Fluker broadens the challenges facing journalism and how they must apply democracy nationally. And Garrett's and Fred's comments echo one another, noting the need to build if our system is going to survive. So Laura, taking into account not only these two interviews, but my conversations with the other participants, what is the future as you see it for democracy and the informed citizen? Goodness. Um, it's easy to be pessimistic about the future. However, I don't believe that our experiment in government can fail if it doesn't fail on the hyper-local level. So as we close out this series, I remain my hopeful self. I also understand that democracy maybe depends on more than an informed citizenry. It depends perhaps even more on people trusting one another. In addition to overcoming the challenge presented by disinformation and the spread of that, we absolutely must regain trust in people with whom we have differences. We have to trust that we all share a desire to see our form of government succeed and continue to grow and evolve into one that lives up to its promises. So community building efforts that are hyper-local and citizen-driven, and that, in the words of our first interviewee, Gary Burton, build goodwill, seem like a highly likely means of helping us gain or regain trust in one another as citizens. 
Listen to your last comments. I'm reminded of a quote offered by George Bernard Shaw, who says that democracy is the vice that ensures that the people are governed no better than they deserve. I was struck by the comments of the citizen journalists who have decided to accept this uphill battle to not only keep journalism alive in their communities, but to build community in the midst of an atmosphere that, whether one lives in an urban or rural space, is increasingly isolated. So was I. Again, I'm left feeling hopeful about the future. Not necessarily journalism with a capital J one way or the other, but about citizens' willingness to take charge of the responsibility to get to know and appreciate and trust one another by using media. And the example we've shown here, newspapers, but any form of media can work hyper-locally. Everything about our system seems to depend on that, which I better understand now thanks to this exploration together. Thanks for being part of this, Byron. I want to say thanks for the hard work of Director Elvin Jenkins and Associate Director Michael Burns of Electronic Media Communications at Alabama A&M University. And thanks to all of our original partners in the four-year-long project that led to this podcast, members of the Pacers Rural Community News Network, the University of Alabama College of Communication and Information Sciences, the Auburn University School of Communication and Journalism, the Caroline Marshall Drawn Center for the Arts and Humanities at Pebble Hill, and the David Matthews Center for Civic Engagement. <laughs> um, I mean, really, now I want to start a newspaper for my Birmingham neighborhood. I don't know how I can even speak that, um, knowing how much work it is, but that's what I'm kind of thinking about. What about you, Byron? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm. Well, I'll be your first subscriber. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can, you can pin me in. Um, I want to thank you as well. This has been a great eye-opening and crucial uh, project, and, and I was honored to be a part of it. You've been listening to Democracy and the Informed Citizen, the future of journalism in rural Alabama, a collaboration between the Alabama Humanities Alliance and Alabama A&M University, and part of the Democracy and the Informed Citizen National Initiative, administered by the Federation of State Humanities Councils and funded by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation in partnership with the Pulitzer Prizes. I'm your host, Byron Williams. Thanks for listening.